Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 141 of Getting It Out Podcast. That was Silence Equals Death, 
out of New Jersey. The song is called Switched, and it's from their new uh, album, Revolution Rising, which is coming out on Upstate Records and Blood Blast Distribution. Um, as you you know, if you regularly listen to uh, Getting It Out podcast, that we're big fans of Upstate Records and uh, the products that they put out. And here's another good one. Uh, nice, solid dose of hardcore from New Jersey, which, um, you know, it's New Jersey. I usually try to make some kind of joke about New Jersey. I don't, I don't have one uh, in the queue right now, but, uh, but, I, but it, 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 science equals that doesn't deserve one. They're, they're well done. They just, they just released a video for this song, actually. Um, again, the song is called Switch. It's got a little bit of the, uh, the what's that movie with Michael Douglas where, he's, uh, where he kind of gets pushed over the edge. It's got that kind of vibe going on, and... Uh, I think you'll enjoy it if you're uh, if you're uh, <laughs> if you're like in your 30s or 40s and you still find yourself listening to aggressive music and just trying to be a regular person and then uh, everybody keeps pushing you over the edge, uh, but you never really snap, but you dream about it. Maybe that maybe that's kind of where you're at. Maybe not. Uh, maybe it's just me. Um, yeah. Anyway, check that out. This record, I think it doesn't come out for a little while. Let's see, November 13th. So that's that's close, but not too close. You got over over a month to prepare yourself for a revolution rising by silence equals death on Upstate Records, November 13th. Okay, on this episode, I got an interview with the legendary Burton C. Bell. You might know him from Fear Factor, but we're talking about Ascension of the Watchers, and we'll get all into that. So let's go quickly to the best intro in the podcast world by by none other than the infamous, the well-known, the best crossover thrash band to ever exist out of New Jersey, Hot Zone. Yeah, what's good, all you bitches and bitches? It's the illustrious Hot Zone, back at it again with another podcast intro. They said, oh, you want to do a podcast intro for the Getting It Out podcast? said, oh, shit, I got to write a rap first, don't I? They said, no, you don't got to write a rap first. It's a hardcore podcast. said, all right, I think I can maybe make that happen. Let's see what we can do. Kick it. Make family out of friends, make friends out of enemies Peace to my family, make friends till they bury All the places we've been, we're never sitting it out We be getting it in, where you getting it out I said all the places we've been, we're never sitting it out We be getting it in, where you getting it out Hello, everyone. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing all right. I'll settle for okay. Um, if you're doing bad, if you're doing sad, uh, please get some help. Um, not for my sake, for your own. Anyway, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't want to start this one off weird. Maybe it's a little too late, but uh, that's okay because I like weird, and so do you. Or else you wouldn't be listening to Getting It Out podcast, right? That's the way it works, huh? We all find these stupid little things that we get into, and then we we obsess over them. All right, maybe that's just me, and uh, maybe that's not true. But you know what? I can lie here. It's all right. Nobody's here. Nobody's going nobody's gonna to bust me. There's no podcast cops yet. There might be. Are you out there? Are you undercover? That'd be weird. You know, <laughs> You know. it's funny. I was watching, we watched that Social Dilemma documentary uh, over the past week. Because I say over the past week because it, it takes my wife and I several days to watch something that's more than an hour long. It's funny. We can watch like three hour long episodes of a show in a row and that's not a problem but if we want to watch one thing that's over an hour long we're gonna need to break that up 
into several segments, uh, 50 minutes one night. You know, we usually would start off strong, maybe a half hour to 45 minutes, uh, plug in a, another 15 minute or like two weeks later, and then wrap it up with a whole hour, uh, like a month or so after that. That's how we do it. So I just what we just watched this social dilemma, and uh, people were talking about how it's how is uh, eye opening and I don't know scary. I think someone used the word for. I thought it was all kind of stuff we already knew, um, just explained very thoroughly. Um, and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the, the experts did a fine job of it, but I but I guess what concerns me is the way people are like freaking out about how they watched it. And then, and then, ironically, they're going on to social media to tell other people to watch it, which is, which is, uh, again, ironic but kind of funny. And uh, maybe, maybe some people are just are, are having a good laugh and doing that. I don't know, uh, uh, but that's because I don't know much of anything. But I do know that uh, I don't have a real point for bringing that up, and that uh, I'm excited to share with you this interview I did with Burton C. Bell of Fear Factory. I don't know if you have to say the C in his name, but all. All, all the time that I've been aware of who he is, uh, it's been Burton C. Bell, so it's going to stay Burton C. Bell. I should have asked him what that C is for. Maybe it's Crayley. Maybe his middle his middle name is my last name, and somehow we're related. Um, it's a Susquehanna River thing, I guess. Uh, you had to be there. Um, probably not, though. But hey, so so yeah, you you probably know him as as I did too for the and do for the as the singer of Fear Factory. Uh, which millions upon millions upon millions and millions and millions of people do, because that is true. He is the singer for Fear Factory until this week, actually. Just earlier this week, I believe it was, he uh, he quit the band. I don't know if it's the first time he quit the band. Um, don't really care either. Uh, Fear Factory was, was and remains to be a very uh, important band for me. Obsolete was one of my favorite records when I was a teenager. Still love it. Um, Demanufacturer is great. Of course, the first one I had was Soul of a New Machine. Not necessarily. Not, I'm not saying that to be like the guy who was who who was in on the ground floor because that's not true. Um, I just remember there was a local band called Scarred for Life, and they used to cover Scum Grief, and that was the way I came to know about Fear Factory. So, uh, so that's that's where I was a Soul of a New Machine guy. Um, the some of the other stuff, I, you know, the the biggest song I think was Lynchpin. Off a of Digimortal, which I know people poo-poo that record, but hey, I, I don't mind that one either. I'll sing you every, I'll sing you every, every lyric to uh, Lynchpin, right? And it's not just me. I know there's plenty of us out there. Um, but anyway, uh, Fear Factory. They did the later stuff was good too. It was kind of a return to form. Um, but whatever, that's not happening anymore. And I'm glad that me and Burton did not say one thing about Fear Factory, except maybe the end. Um, Towards the end, we talked a little bit about it, but for the most part, we kept this all on his new project. It's not even new. It's been around for about 10 years now, but it's called Ascension of the Watchers. And maybe, maybe as you'll hear me say, uh, you're like me, um, I didn't know about it. I do now. Uh, there's a new record called Apocrypha that comes out pretty soon. Um, that'll be out next week, actually, October 9th, on uh, Dissonance Productions out of the UK. Um, yeah, so... I wasn't really prepared for a long interview with Burton, but thankfully we stretched this out and he told some stories um, because it was a it was a cool opportunity to talk to uh, I don't want to call him an idol, but you know somebody that I, that I've been listening to my whole life, uh, some somebody that I've been a fan of uh, for this long, and it's also always a huge relief when you talk to somebody that you're a fan of and they're not a total dick. So thank you, Burton, for not being a total dick and being a friendly guy and taking the time to talk with me on like a 
Tuesday or whenever the fuck we were talking. Actually, you know what I was worried about at one point? I was worried as, as the conversation was getting a little longer. I was worried that my daughter was going to be getting dropped off mid-conversation and it was going to screw everything up. So so I, I, I don't remember if I rushed off at the end, but uh, I, I could have kept this one going for a while because it, it was pretty enjoyable. And, uh, and again, a cool opportunity for a fan to talk to uh, somebody that they uh, admire and have listened to for most of their life. Mo- really, genuinely, most of my life, I've been, a, I've been a Fear Factory fan, and now Ascension of the Watchers fan. Um, I I, I, I want to play different songs off of Apocrypha that I like, but from what I see that's out there uh, for f- that, that, that are released as singles, I think I can only play two of them, so I'm only going to play the two that, that are out there as singles. But the deeper tracks, they're not even deep cuts, they're like three and four, or five and six, um, off this record are, are, are my favorites. You're not going to hear them today, though. So all the more reason for you to look for this record on October 9th. Buy it wherever you can. Um, I think it's a. I think it's. A, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, it's not not particularly heavy, but you. Hey, wait, 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 wait. I'm I'm talking too much, and I suppose that's nothing new. But let's just uh, get into it and let me play you a song off of Apocrypha. It's the lead off track. It's called Ghost Heart. And then uh, let's just get into my conversation with Burton.
I I personally have yeah, a big fan of of yours in particular for a long time. So it's very cool to get the opportunity to speak to you. Um, where well, you, thank you. Where are you at these days? Oh, I'm I am currently in North Hollywood, California. Uh, okay. See, I saw the area code, and I thought that looks that looks nearby, but I guess uh, not. Well, I you know, I used to live in Pennsylvania. I still have the uh, Pennsylvania phone number because I've had it for so long. So you know how it is. Harder to change it than to keep it. You do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And the, I saw that area code and thought that's that's nearby, but no. But I get it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. My, my children still live in uh, Pennsylvania with their mother, so I'm uh, still go out there frequently. Nice. Well, I'm in I'm in Lancaster myself, so um, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. But um, dude. So um, obviously we're talking about Ascension of the Watchers today, and uh, I got to tell you, I wasn't, I didn't, even though I'm a fan of yours for a very long time, I didn't even know this thing existed, and now I feel like an idiot because now I'm listening back to the old shit and like, well, I've, I've been missing out here because this is uh this is really cool and this this new record Apocrypha is I've been listening to it now for like two, two weeks straight. And, uh, well, thank you. Yeah, I won't fault you for not hearing it before because, uh, if, you know, really, you know, I've been talking about it a lot and, uh, in, you know, over the years, but, uh, both releases, well, the first release was independent. Iconoclast was independent, only available to my website. And then, um, you know, Numinosum was released in 2008, but that wasn't touched by the label whatsoever. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm not surprised you didn't hear about it. But I'm glad you're checking out the old stuff because I'm still very proud of that music, and uh, I'm definitely very proud of the new album Apocrypha. We've taken leaps and bounds over the years. <laughs> yeah, and well, I mean, I was going to get to that is the fact that how much like I, I liked the other stuff when I listened to it, but I listened to this first, and this is this this new album is definitely. Uh, Head and shoulders above the other stuff. But what I was just looking, I was looking earlier today at, at your website where where I saw you have a kind of class uh, for sale. And me just f- for uh, for looking at it, I was like, well, that's really cool that that uh, that LP you have there. And honestly, it's like, oh, it's got pictures of the Susquehanna River. <laughs> and and that's that's, right. that's my that's you know if you ask that's I, I have no connection to any body of water in the country or anywhere. But if I had to pick one, it'd be the Susquehanna because it's been you know it go, goes through my county. <laughs> uh, you know, I love the Susquehanna River. Um, I yeah, I, I was living in Milton for a long time, oh, okay. north of Lancaster. Yeah, so, you know, around the Lewisburg area, and uh, you know, the being living in that area was was highly inspirational for the creation of, of Ascension of the Watchers. You know, it's a very, you know how it is, it's very serene, pastoral, uh, you know, the, the rolling hills, the, the greenery, the, the Susquehanna River, it's in the Susquehanna Valley, so, the, you know, the, the, the fog that comes in yeah. uh, t- during the uh, autumn and spring, it is pea soup, you know, it's it makes it for a very... Um, Almost, uh, it's like a, I'm not a fantasy, but it's very storybook like, and it's a uh, you know I, I just found it very inspirational, and it was very uh, incremental in creating this this band. <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. You say all that about the you know the landscape because I think I think much like it like uh, like your music here on on these records, it can kind of be. It can, it can, you can kind of take it one way or the other. You can be either in, in inspired by it, or you can be kind of depressed by it. The, the, the <laughs> you know, the, the some of the, I shit. I remember one time I sat on a bench 
on the side of Route 15 in Newport, Pennsylvania for about five hours waiting for a car ride. And that was, there was nothing worse, even though the Susquehanna was right in front of me. And, you know, it's... Yeah, no, it's just, it, you could just time just goes by, and you never even notice. Yeah, no, um, you know, you know, and there when when uh, we would create when I create this music, like especially when we demoed it, I would leave John's house. Uh, he he lives in Mifflinburg, and I would leave his house and drive to Mills, and I drive you know, be it's like twenty twenty you know half an hour drive to the countryside between both sides it's just small roads yeah. crossing the river uh two you know very small farm roads and uh as i you know late at night have a, a cd of uh you know the demo we just done or mixed and just you know listening to it driving across the countryside during the sunset or you know during the fog was it just seemed so fitting and perfect that you know the music fit the landscape and then for me it was my soundtrack of my life and everything that was going on in my life during these times. And it was, you know, the, the uh, environment has a lot to do with my inspiration. And is that, is that this, were the, were the songs that are on Apocrypha written in, in that, in that same kind of um, scenario or? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, um, you know, when I wrote the songs over time, I, uh, each song was, you know, like I said, inspired by, a poignant event in my life. And so um, I would sit down at the, my guitar or sit down at the piano and I would just, you know, start strumming or playing chords that, you know, resonated with what I was feeling. And, uh, you know, it might be depressing for some people, but there's, all, you know, for me in my music, there's always a sense of hope. So, uh, you know, it was, I guess it's melancholy. Right. It's the right word. And, uh, you know, so... Um, Oh God, where was it going? So yeah, I would sit down and create this. So the I did write all these parts were written in in that you know while I was still in Pennsylvania. Uh, you know from Stormcrow, uh, Stormcrow was the first one, uh, and then Wanderers was the last one. So it's uh, you know and each one each one was a uh, you know like I said a different moment of of, of emotion and mood. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I wrote it all in that area. Nice. That's, that makes it that makes it even even cooler to me. Um, the the uh, yeah, the fact that um, we recorded uh, Northstone, which is in South Wales, you know that that studio provides practically almost the same environment that John's studio did. It's very it's on this, it's in the countryside, away from people. It is connected to a manor. Uh, 250 year old manor, but the, the the whole landscape is just beautiful and serene, and uh, you know it's like being you know when you go there it's like being sequestered, much like Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, the Pennsylvania's weird. You get in the middle of the state for <laughs> for hours, and there's not a whole lot. Yeah. No, but you know I wasn't there to do a whole lot. To begin with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, th- this this record I guess has been in uh, construction, incubation, whatever you want to call it, for quite a long time. Um, is there what took so long to get this one out? Hmm. Well, we were writing songs. Uh, started writing songs after Numenosum was released, and uh, you know, so it's, like I said, Stormcrow was the first one that came out. And uh, you know, over time, we just started writing music. And by the time 
I had like four or five tracks going, I started searching for uh, an outlet, meaning I was like, I wanted to find a label that would, uh, you know, would be interested in uh, uh, helping me uh, fund the you know, the recording of the rest of the album and distribute it. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, with the you know the way it turned out, no one was really interested. I'm not really what I don't know why, but uh, you know there wasn't really any interest in the music I was uh, uh, you know sharing with uh, people at labels. Huh. So I just kept so I just kept recording, kept demoing, working on the demos, remixing the demos, just making them, building upon them better, making them better over time. Um, you know, and there was a lot of ideas I wanted to do uh, for this record and make it move forward. I had a I had a vision in my mind the entire time of what I wanted to achieve with this record. So you know, that was that's what kept me going, just my vision and the need to finish it. And uh, you know, we've over time over time the. Uh, whatchamacallit, um, the record evolved. Um, one of the things I wanted from this record after Numenosum was released was that we, we were playing live shows after the release. And we did, a, you know, we did some shows with Killing Joe, yeah. uh, w- which was their, uh, their reunion, so to speak, after Paul Raven's death. And uh, so we were, watchers were able to play three of the four shows they did and it was during those shows that's when I realized damn the live version of these songs was what I wanted this record to sound like it's like this is what I want I wanted the fullness I wanted the intensity of live I wanted the the the, the, the sonic um, experience that live the live versions brought onto onto this album so that was one of the other things that kept me going is like I got to make this happen. So finding a studio that could accommodate that as well was also not holding me back. It was also you know I was kind of like searching for that as well, and uh, that didn't really come into play until uh, Jason and I really started communicating on a uh, on a full level of uh, friendship. It was amazing. And was that did you were you able to get that sound live because of uh other players or what was what was what did you, well, yeah, what did you um, need to the, do well the, the live obviously it's live drums and yeah. uh, it was the live drums I think really enhanced a big part of the sound the, the organic sound of it the organic uh, flow of it and when we played live we didn't follow a click track uh, we were all playing uh, following the drummer and to me that was the most exciting part about it so um, it was the live aspect was just it was just full, not necessarily the players, but it was just everything, everyone playing at the same time, it, uh, in rhythm was just that's what I wanted to capture. It was just like everyone together. Yeah, and 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 I, I assume you feel like you, you were able to to manage that with with Apocrypha. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, for the most part, it was just it was easier, you know. We, we obviously recorded to a click track because, you know, that's what people do right. when they record. But, um, you know, we kept it a little bit as loose as we could. But, uh, yeah, that's what it, we did achieve that. Um, the live drum, 
Chase captured the live drums and the, he captured the guitar sound. It's all because uh, Jace's studio is a modern analog studio, which is uh, a rarity, but it's starting to become a popularity again. Uh, people are realizing that analog components and outboard gear um, make make the sounds uh, just enhances the sound because digital and everything digital, if it's all in the box, is very thin sounding. You know, in digital, you lose like seven frequencies above and eight frequencies below uh, uh, the sound that analog does capture. So you're missing so much depth that, uh, you know, digital misses. So yeah. that was like, that was definitely an important key in, in recording in uh, North Stone Studios with Jay's. That's interesting. I didn't know there was a. It was. I didn't know the term modern analog, which is, of course sounds like an oxymoron, but it makes sense. So, yeah, you know, it is. It's like civil war, modern yeah. analog. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it should make sense, but it does. You know, you're still using Pro Tools. You're still using that recording capability, but everything going into it has more depth instead of you know going directly in the you know the Neves, the the Rossers, the uh, the the uh, oh what's it, this type of compressor i can't remember um that are based in analog technology provide to uh digital it makes a huge difference yeah that's i i don't know much about it but i i i will take your word for it because because what i do what i hear on like i said from the earlier records to this record is a huge jump mm-hmm. and it's not not just in the 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 recording though also in in the songwriting, it seems like you guys went a little bit different direction. Um, I don't even know which which way it went, but I but I I don't know. There's a there's a calmness to it that a certain, maybe it's a certainty. Yeah, like, maybe more of a not more confidence not too. Yeah, more confidence. Yeah. More yeah. It's it sounds intentional and uh, and exactly and you know, yeah. we we knew we had good songs. Just had to, it just needed the right performance and the right recording to really capture it all. Um, you know, as time goes by, you know, different experiences, uh, you know, make me create uh, different songs, uh, different arrangements. But it's all still the one thing that I, all the songs have in common is that I'm the primary songwriter. I they create, they all came from my soul, and that's what I really believe that Jay's captured on this record <laughs> yeah yeah well for a guy for a guy like you who has put so many songs out out into the world over the years you know with with whatever projects um um is there does 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 watchers do something different for you does it uh does it fill a different void than maybe artistically or you know i don't know cathartically well, absolutely. than than your other absolutely. stuff absolutely it does it's, it's truly cathartic for me uh, it's a very, you know, like I said, it's a very personal uh, band. Um, the songs are very personal to me. Um, the very uh, uh, personal experiences uh, or events that have affected my life, you know, uh, uh, immediately. So for me, it is the most, um, it is the best example of my music that has ever been recorded. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's a, quite a bold statement, and I like it. I like it. There's more of that confidence, right? Yeah, it's all that confidence. It's because it's all it's all coming from me. Yeah. It's uh you know, the sounds, the emotion, 
the, the, the lyrics. It all came from me. I'm not trying to be egotistical. I'm not trying to, you know, sound like a control freak, but this is how this band started. Yeah. Um, with, with the music that I was writing. And that continued through the writing all through the past 10 years or 12 years of Apocrypha or what would eventually become Apocrypha. Right, right. But do, do you feel like this is, this is this, the Watchers and, and, and Apocrypha, like, do, were you, I don't know, it might be an unfair thing, but do you feel like you had, you had to make this record now? Like, do you think you would have been capable of making a record like this uh, when you were younger? Or is this something that needed to be, needed to age with you and then come out? That's a really good question. Um, it is, this record came out when it was supposed to. I would have never done this record 20 years ago. I would have never done this record 10 years ago. I, uh, you know, I am now 51 years old. And to me, the sound and the, the concepts and the, the, the narrative that's going on in this record is that of a person who has not only matured through the years, has experienced so much through the years that only someone of experience can create an album like this. Yeah, I like that. That's 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 a great answer. Um, the the uh, you you've had a uh, one song at least at least as far as I know, just one song out from this to the public. Old Ghost. Is there any other that are out there? Uh, no, not right now. But we're getting we're getting ready to release our second single from the album in a week and a half okay Maybe, so, you know. so you've had old ghosts out there for like two weeks or something is how's how's uh, yeah. the feedback been so far with just that one very positive um seems like a lot of people underestimated me and uh, it's, it's it's blowing them a lot of people are blown away a lot of people are really into it uh, you know i get reports that people are listening to it nonstop. uh you know um youtube is over twenty-two thousand views after two weeks uh, Spotify is over you know, 22,000 listens over two weeks. And for, for a sense of the watchers, that's great, especially since, you know, we really have no social media uh, presence that, that, that this song goes hard and this, the coming album is really changing all that. Yeah, and, and you know, I said it to, or I, I was talking to a friend of mine today who's very familiar with you, but didn't know about this either. And uh, he 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 checked it out today, and uh, he he as well was was into it, and and uh, particularly he was talking about how good you sound on on there. And I thought the same thing. I, awesome. I thought the same thing when I when I've been listening to this record is that. You, you you haven't sounded this good in in a long time, and I don't mean that as an insult in any way at all. I mean that in a, such a good no, thing is that is that like no you said, fifty one years old, and you sound to me at your best. Um, is well, thank you, and you know, just for me, this is this is for me, this is the music of my soul. So being you know, being able to sing my lyrics to the songs that came from my from my person from my heart meant so much for me that i you know seeing this was no issue yeah and being able to sing it in the range that i would prefer singing in uh, just made me so happy <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, a, that's a reason to do it well and i know the unfair question again but um do you have do you have a favorite track on this record god they're all you know they're all like children right uh you know it's hard to choose but um, yeah, it changes day to day. But uh, you know, past couple of days, I found myself 
found myself singing um, the song A Wolf Interlude uh, to myself a lot. And, uh, you know, like I said, all these songs are personal. And uh, A Wolf Interlude is, is a song I wrote for my son. That is and his middle name. Sorry, and his middle name is and his middle name is Wolf. Okay, so, so all right, uh, that is exactly the song I was going to ask you about because that is exactly the song that I like the best, and and so wow. I'm, so I'm glad that you I'm glad you said that. Um, and my my question, which is really really surface question, is is it really an interlude? It's a pretty long song. Yeah, um, but but an interlude is is it's a break between uh, ideas. Okay, well, all right, or a break a break between. Um, uh, you know, uh, a movement of sorts, as you might call it. No, it's not really short, but, it, you know, it changes up. And so, you know, A is actually uh, a play on words because my son's first name starts with A. So it's A, Wolf, and then it's the interlude after that. And then the whole song actually started off like an interlude because it started off as a piano part. So the middle piano part and the break is the original part. It's the original uh, arrangement that I wrote. And... um my, I played it so much on the piano that my son started playing it. Uh, that's very cool. That's very cool. Well, yeah, that's 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 awesome. And 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 there's there's a, there's other songs on 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 here that have that I've that I've latched onto. The what, does, does the title track come after that, or is that uh, no? Honoree comes uh, after. No, it. So, so it goes Ghost Heart, Hannah's Always Beginning, um, Apocrypha, A Wolf Interlude, Honoree. Uh, and Honoree uh, is a song for my. Uh, my youngest daughter. Well, that's see, that, her middle name. That's that's one I love as well. It's, it's like it's like this, those three in a row: the, the title track, uh, a, a wolf interlude, and uh, an apocryph. Or I'm sorry, an honoré. Um, those are the three. Like that, to me, that's the that's that's the part of the album that I'm that I'm really sticking to and enjoying. And uh, well, thank you. Yeah. I, 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 that makes me that makes me happy that you say that. You know, everybody has their you know everyone's different. Everyone has their favorite song. And it's just all over the board. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as a show, hey, well, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I did want to ask you real quick about the about the thing that I've I've read about the the uh, the, the the sounds at the beginning of the title track. Um, what's what's happening there? What, can you explain that situation a little bit? You got time? I got time. Yeah. <laughs> do you have right, time? So I do have time. This is uh, you're actually the last interview for the day. Good. So. Um, <laughs> Like I said, like I told you before, Chase's studio was is built next to the 250-year-old manor. Uh-huh. Now, the manor was built on top of the ruins of an ancient monastery. And uh, a lot of the rocks from that monastery kind of litter the area around the, uh, the, uh, the, the manor. Um, and some of, the, uh, some of the bricks, or some of the stones from that monastery were actually still part of uh, um, uh, I guess uh, better, better lack of a term, a shed. It was like that's where they they put the uh, carts in and the hay. So that 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 area that he built the studio in was like an old shed where the tools and stuff were. So he he kept the the found he kept the walls of that up, and uh, he found uh, a lot of the other stones that were littering the area. And Jace built his studio with those stones. Uh, by hand and uh you know built north stone studios so um for me i you know i believe I, I believe in science and i believe in physical science and one fact of science that cannot be 
uh, irrefuted is that energy is a constant. Mm-hmm. And if, and for me, you know, that not just physically, but metaphysically, uh, energy continues and whatever energy is running our bodies continues after there is no, it can no longer power the decrepit body as it grows old. So with that in mind, um, you know, there's, that's, you know, I have seen, I've had experiences through my life that I cannot explain uh, when it comes to like paranormal activity. So that's a foundation. So as we're recording the album, uh, everything was rather quiet, you know, and nothing was really, not much was going on. It was just, it's just Jace and I in the studio. Uh, Chase has the only key to the studio. Um, when we would leave the studio, uh, in the drum room, there is a, you know, a coffee station with a shelf of the teas and coffees and a kettle and, you know, and a small dorm fridge. Uh, and so all that was together. And, uh, as the recording progressed and we, we, as the recording progressed, things started happening. For instance, you know, after we closed up, cleaning up and closing up, the next day we would come back, open the doors, and uh, go to uh, make our tea and coffee. And uh, a lot of the things from the uh, shelf would be strewn on the floor. Oh, wow. And we're like, okay, you know, yeah, oh, wow, but you know, we're we're logical people. Right. <laughs> we were able to we were able to explain it away. It's like, oh, maybe the door and fridge just you know um, rattled a little bit too much and shook everything off. You know, and we we. You know, we would hear the thing rattle off sometimes. Like, okay, we explain that. Um, but it wasn't until I started seeing the actual lyrics to Apocrypha, uh, singing the words, uh, recording the, that song vocally, that uh, activity really started amp up even more. So uh, there's three rooms. Um, that, uh, that are in this uh, studio, in Northstone Studios. The middle room where you walk into the entrance, the middle live room, that's where we built the vocal booth. And the vocal booth, uh, was we set that up in front of the uh, control room window, which was on the which is to the right, uh, so I could see Jason in the control room, which is a separate room. And uh, behind me would be the drum, a live drum room, which is separated by glass doors. So uh, I'm looking at, you know, in my small booth that we built, I'm looking at Jace through the window, and uh, he can't hear me. And he's, I can hear him. He's like, I can't hear you. Uh, you know, can you check your mic? And so I'm you know, doing vocal warm-ups or whatever so he can hear me. And uh, after a few minutes of trying to mess with it on the control room side, he walks in. goes, okay, I got to check the, the cable connections. I got to figure out what's going on here. So I followed the cable connection from the microphone to the drum room, and he followed it to the multi uh, input box where you know a lot of the tra- you know a lot of the microphones were input into. into. Mm-hmm. And the microphone cable was pulled out. And I was like, well, "What'd you do that for?" He goes, "I didn't do that." I'm like, "Well, don't look at me." Um, and and if you're familiar with XLR cables, when they're patched into an input, you have to literally um, press uh, clamps up down to release it. Okay. And so it couldn't have been tripped on and it couldn't have been, I didn't do it. He didn't do it. So we're like, okay, that's strange. We couldn't explain that, but either way, we're like, okay, we're going to just 
are going to just continue doing the vocal, you know, continue with our vocals. So we started, we started, you know, you know, doing vocal tracks, a few takes here and there, just a few takes over and over again. And after a couple hours, you're like, okay, let me clean this up. Uh, you know, all the files uh, on the Pro Tools. Let me clean this up, uh, arrange some things, and we can continue. It's like, okay, fine, well, you know, just relax. And so I probably just stayed in the uh, booth at, just relaxing while he was doing his thing because it was only going to take a few minutes. So um, he he goes, he goes, Bert, um, come in here a second. Can you explain why were you singing at this part? I'm like, I don't know. So I left, I guess I left the booth. I don't know. Um, I don't remember leaving the booth. But I went to go check, well, let's go to go check out the, the waveform. And the waveform was after the song was completely over. So there was no need for me to sing. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, that's weird. I go, why would I sing if there's no music? Why, why would I say anything? And I say, I don't know. So he, you know, he, he uh, clicked on you to play it. And uh, we just hear this like weird sound, and then this. I'm like, you know, I can't really hear it. So you have to like um, not clean it up, but turn amplify it up so it. you can hear what's going on. Amplify it. So as we turned it up, it was the sound of the old wooden door opening between the live room and the control room, and then all of a sudden, like uh, you know, some electrical. Uh, like like some kind of electrical interference, uh, the amp just goes like, like like the gain was turned all the way up on the microphone, and all of a sudden in this you know electrical stat you know that static of like high gain, like, yeah, um, you hear this fucking eerie whisper. I'm like, what? and we both first time God, I'm thinking about it right now. The first time we hear heard that. I got my, the hair on my back <laughs> of my neck and arms just like stood up and I had this chill down my spine. I was like, what the fuck was that? And then after that whisper, the fucking door closes again. I'm like, what the fuck happened there? Cause I don't know. I, I don't fucking know. It's like, and we listened to it over again. I was like, that's not English. Cause no, I go, it's that Latin. He goes, I have no idea. It's like, is it ancient Gaelic? He goes, I have, I have no idea, but it is definitely, uh, it has syllables, and it is a voice. We have no idea what it says, but um, you know, it that was recorded at the very end. You know, if that was, for instance, if that was me whispering into it with that high gain, I would have blown out the microphone with the amount of gain that was on that microphone at that point. So whatever whispered into it was very, just very ethereal or very soft, just like almost, almost not even there. Yeah, and. If I had opened the door and walked in, left the door open, you would, you would hear me talking or Jace talking in the other room. You don't hear anything else. It's like something walked in, spoke on the microphone, and walked out. Well, it's, <laughs> it is it is, anyway, it is a super a, creepy anyway, thing. A, so I go, that's got to be the intro to the song. That's what that just, you know, that is the event of the album. Um, it, the next event that happened that we could not record, but I'm still, you know, still doing vocals. Funny thing is, is that all this activity started when I was doing vocals, which is very odd to me. Like, whatever was there wanted wanted me to know that it was there, 
he wanted us to know that it was present. So um, another day, couple day two later, um, you know, I was to part of the pledge campaign. I was, uh, you know, I was doing uh, drawing the drum scans, and uh, I was doing one drum scan, drawing something. I can't remember what I was doing, but I was doing it in the control room. And uh, so in the control room, there's Chase's uh, control board in front of the you know, studio window, and then to behind him to the left is you know a couch with a, a, a coffee table that we had our you know drinks or whatever on it. But that's where I left the markers and the the, the drum scan that, that I was drawing on. And uh, you know while I was you know, I left it on the table, while I was doing vocals. And uh, while I was doing vocals, this one day. Chase and I are talking back and forth together on talkback between the live room and the studio and the control room. Since we're talking and his his talkback mic's on, I hear this like loud like you know it was like a clang like something fell over. I said, "What the fuck was that?" He goes, "I goes, I don't know." And he goes, "Got silent." He goes, "You got to come in here." So I left the um, vocal booth, opened the wooden opened the door. And on the floor, in front of the door, was the drum skin. <laughs> and he goes, man, I saw something move in my, you know, my left periphery. And then that, no- then that noise. Something flew that, that drum skin across the table, across the floor, which is about six to eight feet, and hit that door. Damn, that's, that's not... That drum skin was... That drum skin was on the floor. Wow. There was a couple other things, but it was just like, um, you know, the, after I left, like the day after I left, Chase went into the studio, and, uh, you know, in, some, in a lot of studios, uh, they have the, the guitar amps, like, you know, a Marshall amp or a Laney or whatever you have. They have them, like, stacked on a shelf in a corner or against the wall, so you can just input and use different ones. So he walked in, and like the third amp up, about four, maybe five feet up off the floor, there was a lady amp on the shelf, but something pushed that amp off Ooh. the shelf and it was dangling by its power cord. Wow. That's going to get expensive staying in that studio. It could be. <laughs> and, you know, Jason's seen shadows he cannot explain. Wow, that's nuts. Well, I like I, I read that there was something about that, you know, that, about that noise at the beginning of of the track, and I listened to it myself, and it does sound super super creepy. And I was wondering about why you hear like the the movements at the beginning and at the end, but like, as you explained, that's the door, and uh, that's that's cool. That's 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 awesome that you guys caught that, and it's it is a great little thing to have on the record. Yeah, I, I had to. It's like this is the best intro ever recorded we got to use it <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad you got it on uh, on on your on your favorite record you've recorded so far too then that's that's awesome well thank you very much thank you very much I, uh, you know i'm very i'm very proud of this record it's uh you know, a lot of heart and soul went into it not just for me but from john and jace as well yeah you know we're, we're all very proud of this record and uh, we, we definitely want to do the best that we can to push it Awesome. Well, it comes out what, October 9th on Dissonance Productions. October 9th, and we do have a uh, expected new single coming out October 2nd. Awesome. Well, hey, Burton, I've, I, like I said before, I've been a fan 
of uh, you Fear Factory, um, this stuff for my whole life. I remember when I would just get excited about the local band cover in Scum Grief, you know? So, so like, you know, I've been... I've been, you know, loving Fear Factory for for most right. of my life, and uh, and this this new band was. Well, I guess it's not new. You've been around for a long time, but this new record yeah. is is great, and uh, I'm I'm really excited about it. Thanks, Dan. So you're in Lancaster. Um, are there any there's new venues in Harrisburg yet? Um, there's one called HMAC that is the only one I know that's really happening. Um, at this point, the one our long our long running one here, the Chameleon Club, just closed like two weeks ago. So. Oh no! Yeah. So, have you have you lived in Lancaster a long time? I lived in York, and then Lancaster, and then Baltimore, and then back to Lancaster, and then York. So, yeah, um, I've been I've always been in this in this area. Yeah. Yeah. The, the last time I remember playing Harrisburg, the only time we played Harrisburg was 1995, opening up for Iron Maiden. Oh wow! Where was and, that? Uh, uh, it was some shitty club uh, in downtown Harrisburg. It was the tour that Iron Maiden did with Blaze Bay. I was gonna say it had, it had to. Tour. It had to be. You know, if you're playing yeah. a shitty club in, in Harrisburg, it had to be. Yeah, yeah. that wasn't the that wasn't the shittiest club we played on that tour. <laughs> you know, that tour gave the, that tour gave Iron Maiden's tour manager a heart attack. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Not trying to laugh, but he survived. But. It oh, definitely yeah. took a toll on his health. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that I think I think that'll do it for you, or that'll do it for many people. But hey, hey man, I, I, awesome, Dan. Is there anything else out there you want to get out? <laughs> uh, shit, I don't think so. But uh, but hey, I, I I really do appreciate this, and uh, thanks for doing it. And and uh, my, my my pleasure, Dan. I really appreciate your time, and thank you for covering us. Oh, absolutely, anytime. All right, Burton, take care. All right. You too,
So there you have it. That's my conversation with Burton C. Bell. And the song there at the end was The End Is Always The Beginning. Um, also off of Apocrypha, as we've talked about many times. And we will continue to, one last time, Apocrypha, October 9th on uh what was the record label called i don't remember but uh it's a (laughs) it's a great record uh be sure to check it out when you can next week or earlier if somehow you found a way to do it just do it just uh enjoy it how about that just make sure you enjoy it um again i'm grateful for the opportunity to have that conversation and i feel like that's been happening a lot lately with the podcast a lot of cool conversations with people that i never thought i'd talk to um so yeah that's something to be excited about. Another thing to be excited about is gettingitout.net is coming eventually. <laughs> yeah, 10 months of me telling you it's coming eventually. Well, it looks like it actually uh, might get started today. Um, the, 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 the wheels are in motion, and uh, they might be coming to your computer screen in the very near future. And don't worry, I will uh, blast all that everywhere I can uh, the moment it is available. You can You can be ready for that. By going to, uh, you can go to gettingitout.net and bookmark that website right now. It's going to be one of your favorites. And then you can go over to the Instagram page at getting underscore it underscore out underscore podcast and go to the uh, Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash getting it out podcast. And there's a Twitter at getting it out pod. If you got any interest in writing about music, being involved, um, doing record reviews, uh, talking to bands, doing interviews yourself, reach out to me. Dan at gettingitout.net. That's my email address. We can work something out. We can make it happen. We can uh, get some projects for you. Get something under your belt. Have a little fun. Talking to, get to have these conversations with people that uh, you never thought you'd talk to. I can hook you up. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> there's a bit of a vetting process. <laughs> the way it works is you got to respond to the second email because nobody, everybody emails me first. So they reach out first and they're like, yeah, I want to do this. And I'm like, all right, cool. Here's the deal. Here's all the information. Here's all the access. And then you don't hear squat. It's really weird. It's a very strange thing, uh, but it's a, but it's, <laughs> it's an epidemic. I've heard it's from many websites have this problem too. So if you yourself are interested in being involved, please reach out to me, Dan at gettingitout.net. That's my email. All right. So last thing, we got to play one more song to end this, to end this thing on a high note, right? So let's go. Let's change directions. Let's uh, let's play let's play a track from an Australian um, progressive death metal band. <laughs> that, that doesn't really fit in with this episode, but that's all right because we started with hardcore. We did some. Uh, I don't know what we call Burton's band. I don't know what we call Ascension of the Watchers. Uh, electronic music. I don't know. Um, and now we're ending it with. Uh, progressive death metal and i think that's okay this is growth out of australia and the song is called something follows enjoy it thanks for listening please subscribe like rate review all those things that do me good all right thanks for listening bye-bye
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.